Welcome back to the Salted Caramel Podcast. We've been doing this for over a year now, and we give you our parishioners' faith stories, so you might be emboldened to share your own faith story with the world and with your friends. My name is David Cook. I'm the Stewardship Director here at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and with me is the ever-glowing Jody Curtis. Jody, who is our guest today? David, our guest today is Ann Heilman. Ann, thank you for joining us today and for reaching out to us about being on our show. Yeah, we love it when people reach out to us all right. about it. Um, Ann, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role in our parish. Well, I grew up in Michigan, but I went to Indiana University for undergrad and then I went to Notre Dame. And my husband, Mark, and I have been married for 25 years, and um, we've moved to various places and parishes. We've, um, in the year 2000, we moved to Indianapolis and joined St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and then bought a house and moved over to the west side of town and started going to Our Lady of Mount Carmel. But then my husband's company transferred him to North Carolina. So we ended up moving to North Carolina for five and a half years. And when we came back, um, we could not get our oldest son into the school, actually, at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and felt that Catholic um, education was important. So we were at St. Luke up there, or down there, I should say, on the south, um, 75th in Illinois for a few years. And then now... Our oldest son, he went to Garen Catholic, and now he's in college. And our uh, youngest is a sixth grader at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Nice. Oh. Yeah, did you feel something lacking when you went to Seton and you went to St. Luke's, right? <laughs> just Our Lady is just the fullness of no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I, I mean, I will say we've always felt um, it's interesting when you go to a lot of different parishes, you can't help but compare things. And Our Lady of Mount Carmel was always where we wanted to be, where we always felt at home. And, um, you know, we live very close to the parish and that's part of it. You know, it's the one that's physically close to us. Uh, we like going to Eucharistic adoration. And so having that Eucharistic adoration chapel so close is such a blessing to our family. And, um, there's so much, there's just so much to love about it. We love the school. I've been a volunteer at the school. Some people, We'll sit there and say, who is Ann Heilman? And they'll think, oh, yeah, I'm the one who's the book fair chair. We just have the book fair at the school. And I've been doing that for six years. And um, I've been very involved in pro-life, the pro-life committee, back when I was at the parish in the early 2000s. And then um, since I've been back for the last six to seven years. And I've also volunteered outside of the parish. I volunteer at a, a school called Holy Angels Catholic School. Um, it's at Martin Luther King and 29th Street. And um, I got involved with that through the Notre Dame Alumni Club. It's a Notre Dame Ace Academy. And um, so, yeah, we love the parish. We love being here. And it seems like you might be well qualified to volunteer in the schools as I noticed you had a PhD in physics, <laughs> yes. which is yes. awesome. Good for you. <laughs> David, she might be one of our smartest guests on the show. So. Yeah, maybe. Well, we've had PhD people before, right? That's right. I don't know if they had a PhD in physics. But. Gotcha. Well, you. let's just... We'll point it out for everybody else who wants to be on the show. You do not need a PhD 
to be on the podcast. <laughs> no, I, in fact, I, I usually don't leave with that. Like, I don't tell people that. Um, I, I've always loved science, always. Like, when I was a little girl, um, looking up at the stars. I, I come from a family of accountants, actually. Like, everyone's, every, my dad's an accountant, and my sisters all became accountants. And um, I don't know, for some reason, I just decided... I liked science and what I actually found out um, through the course of my study, um, getting that PhD, which took six years at Notre Dame, is that I really enjoy teaching physics. And um, that's, you know, it's such a blessing when you find your vocation. And I feel like that's really my vocation is to teach physics, teach science. And I try and find opportunities in the parish to do that as well. Um, you know, a few years ago, we had a total solar eclipse in August and I was able to do a little program with the school kids outside, which was just really wonderful. And, um, you know, I do find, you know, people find out, oh, you have a PhD in physics, oh, you teach astronomy. And um, I get people, they'll text me questions, like science questions, like, oh, you know, I saw this, you know, what is it? And for me, it's great to be able to, to talk to people about it and get them excited because, you know, my belief is God created this universe. It's kind of like a puzzle for us to figure out. It's like, you know, the father of the universe. It's like, it's like a dad coming home with this puzzle toy and saying, here, kids, you know, figure this out. And everybody has, you know, the fun and fellowship that go with piecing that puzzle together and trying to understand things and learning things. And I just, you know, that, you know, some people will say science and faith are you know, not compatible. And I, I just don't see that. I see God, I see God created the universe for us to understand it better. And um, really the, the beauty and wonder of that, it's just, you know, truth and beauty always bring us closer to God, I think. Mm, I, love so, it. I love science. And do you remember a time in your life before Christ was a part of it? Well, I was uh, raised by my Catholic mom. My father had um, no religion. He was not raised in any faith at all. But he was very supportive of my mom um, raising. I have two sisters so that we would all go to church on Sunday. And my dad, he would be sitting in the pew and you know, when it came time for communion, my dad would get up and he would let all of us go out and um, we would go to communion. And he, but he was very faithful coming every Sunday, even though he wasn't Catholic. And it wasn't until I was in college, I was a senior in college when my dad decided the time was right to convert. And um, that was really a joyful occasion for our family when he became part of the Catholic church. So I say I, I was always a, a a Catholic, but I will say it does feel like there's a time um, before, like there's a before and after in my life because, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in the 1970s and the 80s, I felt like our generation was not catechized very well. Um, I know I went to public schools. I went to Sunday school. Um, they called it like CCD. And we would learn things and we would do prayers. And it seemed like it was kind of a social very social thing too. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. I just, there's in retrospect, it's like, I know so much more now than I did when I was growing up. Like, I don't know. It's sort of amazing to think about how little I knew and how little I understand 
understood until I made a conscious choice. You know, there was a moment um, where I decided, you know, I really need to take my Catholic faith more seriously. And it goes with the idea of, you know, here I spend all these years studying physics and astronomy and things like that. And I wasn't putting that effort into learning about the Catholic faith. Mm. Do you think your dad uh, finally converting in your college years made you more interested in learning more about it? Do you think that had any role? Um, I would say actually no, because <laughs> I, I mean, he was always, he's such a great person and it just seems so natural for him to join into our, our, our Catholic faith. I would, I, I feel like though all of us, like our whole family was sort of lacking in knowledge about the Catholic faith. And so, um, my dad just kind of joined in at our level, so to speak. And he, it seemed like he was learning a lot more <laughs> going through, you know, the program and everything. And um, since I was away at college, I wasn't necessarily walking those steps with him because um, I was at Indiana University and I grew up in East Lansing, Michigan. So there was a little bit of a distance there. Well, nice. Well, what, what was that moment that made you want to learn more? Made you want to dive deeper into your faith? What happened? Well, I have to say, um, you know, I, I know that God brings us all on different journeys. And for my personal journey, it was um, encountering two hardships, you know, two challenges, two crosses at the same time. And this happened in 2004. So, um, you know, my husband and I had already been married eight years and we had our oldest son and um we wanted to have more children and we started struggling to conceive again. And so um, that's called, as you may know, secondary infertility when you have your first one and then can't have any more children. So that was quite, that's hard. It's really hard. And, um, you know, my heart now, I'm much older, you know, I'm about to turn 51 and, um, you know, you look back on that and it's like, wow, that was really, really hard. But the, when you go through those hard things, um, that's when you realize how dependent you are on God and how you're not in control. And um, the, the simultaneous thing that happened as that was going on was my husband getting this transfer to North Carolina because I was very comfortable it in Carmel, Indiana. I was very happy at Our Lady Mount Carmel. I had friends, you know, I was, you know, had a social life, you know, very comfortable. And I was angry. I mean, there's no, I was really angry actually that God was, I felt like he was ripping me away from, you know, my life that I liked so much here. And, um, there was a moment where, you know, I was praying in the Adoration Chapel, um, praying a lot in the Adoration Chapel. During that time, I did a 54-day novena. And I will say that that 54-day novena was actually, I think, when I first learned to pray and how to pray. I feel like before that, I was just talking at God, like, God, you know, blah, blah, blah. Not, you know just not getting deep. And, you know, when, when I was really feeling towards 
like held up against the ropes here because I was being forced to sacrifice things I didn't want to sacrifice. Um, I had a moment where the word surrender came. And when I surrendered, which was um, the more immediate problem was moving to North Carolina. And when I made that surrender and decided, you know, instead of being angry and complaining about it, which is what I was doing, I was complaining a lot about having to move. Um, I decided, you know, what if I change my attitude and I act like this might be a good thing? And I did that 54 day novena. And um, at first when I was starting to do it, I was like, oh, I got to get this rosary done. Like day one, get the rosary done. And as I was going through the course of it, it became more talking, talking to God, talking to Mary, pouring my heart out and receiving spiritual consolations at that time through that novena. And it made me realize you know, there's that one scripture with God, all things are possible. And it made me realize, you know what, I can do this. I can go to North Carolina, like this is not the end of the world and seek the good for me there. And of course, in retrospect, North Carolina was actually a really good spiritual, um, a good spiritual move for us. So going down to the deep South where there's only 2% Catholics and everyone's a Southern Baptist asking you, you know, where your church family is and stuff like that. You really have to, you really have to learn about your faith. And um, I couldn't get enough of it at that point. With the secondary infertility, um, it was a lot about patience and learning, like, um, and then you know, again, in prayer, when I felt like I really learned how to pray, the answer had come adoption. Like God, God essentially told me, I think maybe in the year 2005 or earlier, you will adopt your second child. And I didn't, I didn't like that answer actually at first. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll do that, you know, but, um, you know, we have our second son now. And of course he's just a joy. So, I mean, it, words can't even express, you know, how, how we feel about him and him being part of our family. So my before and after was really like those two crosses at the same time, making me stop and be like, you know, I, I got to put more, I got to put more into my faith life. I've got to learn about the saints. I've got to learn about, you know, everything I can learn about the Catholic faith. Why do we do certain things? You know, learning about the mass and the symbolism behind that reading scripture. I was terrible at reading the Bible. And now that's something else I've been involved with. Our lady is going to the Bible studies and learning so much. I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> I love it. Um, one of the things you had told us about ahead of time was that the 54 Novena helped you, helped you learn how to pray, but something else helped you learn how to live. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yes. There was somebody at our parish who I was just telling her about, you know, my struggles a little bit like, oh, you know, I can't have another baby and I, I don't want to, 
I don't want to move to North Carolina and just complaining. She was very good listening to me complain. Mm -hmm. And she said something like, um, you know, there's, there's a really good book and, um, you know, you might be interested in reading it. And I said, what's that? And she said, it's the St. Francis de Sales book, um, St. Francis de Sales Introduction to a Devout Life. And um, I think I may have checked it out of the parish library or something like that to read it. Um, now I have my own copy. But I sat down and read that book and it was so profound because anyone who's read that book or if you know about that book, St. Francis de Sales is encouraging a laywoman about how to live a spiritual life in her state as a mother, as a wife, and living a busy life even back, um, you know, back in a couple hundred years ago, whenever that book was written. And, you know, he talks about going to pray in churches every day if you can. He talks about making prayer, you know, not just something you do before you go to bed, but something you do all day and all things. And um, making conscious efforts with with everything you do in the in your day to day activities, you know, consecrating it to God, making it holy, doing it with love and devotion, you know, even the hardest things, even the most menial things, sweeping the floor or cleaning the bathroom or doing laundry, you know, these are all things that we can offer up to God. And, you know, to be grateful that we can give these little gifts. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. So also in the book, there's something that St. Francis de Sales mentions, which is doing something called a purgation confession. And I was probably not the best Catholic about going to confession before reading this book either. I was maybe a twice a year, like, oh, you always go at Advent, you always go during Lent, and I wasn't necessarily examining my conscience every night or, um, you know, really even taking taking that seriously. And I read this book and St. Francis de Sales says, um, you can do this purgation confession where you go to a priest and you confess every single sin that you can remember throughout your whole life, even those that you've already confessed before. And to prepare for that, really gets you thinking about your life and the things that you've done in the past. And I have to say, it's a pretty humbling, humiliating exercise, but I've found an understanding priest, you know, someone willing to, to take that time. And I did it on, I think, November 17th, November 17th, 2004. And I was a different person after doing that purgation confession. Like when you really sit down and do something like that, um, it really, it really, it changed, changed for me. Love it. That's excellent. Um, Ian, our podcast is called the salt and caramel because of the Bible verse talking about the salt of the earth. So we love to ask our guests, what keeps you salty in your faith? For me, it's always being open to learning about our faith. I feel like the Catholic faith, it can be overwhelming. There's so much to know and so much to learn, but it's really just a rich treasure that you can just keep pulling coins, you know, they're 
pulling the gold coins out of the treasure chests of our faith. There's always so much you can learn. And, um, you know, as an example of that, there was something, again, growing up in the 70s and 80s that I'd never heard of, even heard of before, and that was um, indulgences, plenary indulgences and partial indulgences. And um, it was in North Carolina. I had a priest. It was All Souls Day, which was November 2nd. And um, he said to me after mass, so are you going to go do the All Souls indulgence? And at first I wanted to try and look smart and be like, of course I'm going to go do it, you know, but I, I was like, huh, you know, I don't know what that is. You know, Father, can you explain it to me? And so he went through the, the rules. It's a little formula. You know, you go to mass, um, you say prayers in the church after mass. You, uh, our Father, Hail Mary, and an Apostles' Creed, you pray for the Pope's intentions. And then um, you have to go to confession within eight days of um, doing this indulgence. And um, then you go to a cemetery and you pray the eternal rest grant unto them prayer in the cemetery for the dearly departed. And um, it's a full indulgence, full plenary indulgence, which means if you do this formula without attachment to sin, even venial sin, and you have the right disposition, then you can actually um, release a soul from purgatory into heaven. So, I mean, what a treasure that is to be able to participate in um, helping those in the church suffering, the souls in purgatory, get to heaven. And so it's a devotion that I've now been doing for about 10 years. And, you know, when I first started doing this devotion and I'd invite people to come with me, like, hey, you want to go in the cemetery and do the all souls <laughs> indulgence? A lot of people were like, I don't know what you're talking about. And what I found over the years, um, and especially in the last few years, um, you know, we're good friends with Chuck and Mary Hansen, who've been on your podcast before, and their son, Evan, was our son's babysitter, and um, the boys were close, and it was hard. Like, Evan passing away was very hard. And um, I remember talking to Mary about the indulgences and I wrote up a little essay about it that we posted on the Evan Hansen Facebook page and it got people talking, you know, about it. And um, I have actually seen, not just with the Hansons, but with other people, doing an indulgence for a loved one can be very, very comforting. Um, because as much as we'd like to think everybody goes to heaven when they die, we don't know. And the fact that our Catholic faith and God have created a way for us to cooperate with his will to help others get to heaven. Again, it's a treasure that um, it's really a gift. And so every year I make my plan um, to try and do as, as many indulgences as I can, because you're allowed to do all the way from November 1st to November 8th if you go to communion and say those prayers in the church and then go to a cemetery all those days, you can um, release up to eight souls into purgatory, but on the, you only have to go to confession once during that time. David, I think that's a good call to action. Don't you? That's what I was going to say. I think it's the, the souls in purgatory are largely uh, neglected a lot. Um, there's a lot of souls that don't have anybody to pray for them. Um, but selfishly, I like to pray for them because then they in turn, offer their suffering and prayers for me. <laughs> right. Just a little selfish there. Uh, but I think the call to action twofold would be 
a do this uh, all souls day indulgence at least for one soul at least for uh one person go to confession that benefits everybody um but second is to uh make an action item to actually learn something about your faith mm-hmm. look up something that you didn't know something that you're interested in something that you always questioned why do they do this in the mass what does this saint of the day even do why is he important and then go from there so the indulgence and you better learn something this week. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Anne. Uh, yeah. I think as always, we're going to end with a prayer. Um, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear loving Father, we thank you so much for all the wealth of knowledge, the 2000 years you've given us throughout the whole church. We thank you for Anne and for her thirst for knowledge and for her life saying yes to you and trying to teach others how to come closer to you. Lord, we ask that you uh, allow us to remember and to be diligent in our prayers for the, all the souls in purgatory, especially our loved ones and especially those who have no one else to pray for them for. And we offer this Hail Mary for them right now. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Tune in next week and stay salty.